the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. It's hour two of our show. We're on every day from every weekday from 3 to 5, 3 to 5 right here on the station. And today is Friday, which means... Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything that you would like to talk about. So on Fridays, you can call up and you can change the subject. You can uh, ask a question about the Bible or about Christianity or anything that's on your mind. Maybe there's an issue going on in the news you want to talk about. Bring it up or you can just join in the conversation. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. In a minute, I'll get to the absurdity of the week, uh, which we like to do each and every week. There's always something absurd. There's so many absurd things. We could have an entire show, the absurdity of the month show or something. Uh, there would be so many things. The number again is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Let me go to uh, the phones here. Uh, Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. How are you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm doing fine, Ted. How are you? Ted, City of the Angels. I just, me and you had a conversation a few weeks back, and I had to ponder over it. And I know that uh, in the uh, New Testament, Jesus never really used the word homosexual. But let's back up to Genesis. We know that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know that they were practicing in same-sex marriage. They were they had concubines. They had groups of men raping other men and uh, and then putting uh, virgins into concubines, which ended up killing these women. And we know that God killed everybody with the exception of, what, less than a half a dozen people the angels drug out. So we know that God did not agree with it because he killed them all. He blew it up, and they've already tested the grounds over there that they know that an explosion hmm. hit there. All the scientists tested it. Uh, larger than any man is created. So are, are you, so uh, look, does it worry you that people try to say, well, Jesus never talked about it, so that means maybe he was okay with it? Well, no, it doesn't worry because I don't worry about it because he was fully God and fully man. And if uh, his father destroyed that behavior in Genesis, then he was against it as well because when he did talk about marriage, he never talked about anything else but a man being with a woman or a woman that was uh, committing adultery with a man, but never was a discussion ever did he discuss uh, same-sex together because, you know, that's my argument in it. You know, Ted, I think— I think that maybe this, the, the simplest approach to is, and this is important for us, is that, well, Jesus never talks about it in the scriptures, as far as we can tell, that uh, particular thing, homosexuality. He does talk about sexual immorality. And the important thing here, the important thing here is that there's no carve out for anything in that term, meaning that Jesus didn't say sexual immorality except 
adultery is okay or accept homosexuality is okay or accept, you know, pick your thing. He, and this is important because Old Testament and New, sexual immorality always means sex outside of the context of marriage between a man and a woman. That's the way it is always right. meant. That is, so there, there's no way that Jesus, in talking about sexual immorality, uh, had something else in mind. I think, and this this is something that for for people on different sides of this issue, you know, for for people who want to say he wasn't against it, that's just wrong. It's just not true. But it's also right. important for people who really want to talk about that issue all the time to realize that Jesus doesn't make it worse than other sexual sins. And, you know, it's it's something that sometimes happens, right, with Christians is that uh, we're against that, but we're, you know, if you've had uh, 15 marriages and you have an adultery problem, but you give a lot of money, uh, we'll put you on our church board. See what that I mean? Correct. Right? And Jesus yeah. condemns all of it. Uh, the that New Testament correct. condemns all of it as the same, right? So even even when it's spelling out homosexuality, the Bible in Leviticus or Corinthians or Romans, it's it's not saying it's somehow um, worse than adultery, for example. Um, and that's yeah. something for us to keep in mind just about human sexuality and the power of it, that God designed it to be in the context of marriage between one man and one woman. And outside of that, it causes harm. Uh, outside of that, it – and that's, you know, everybody listening right now, every single person listening, either they themselves or somebody they know – has had a lot of harm in the area of of sexuality. And, you know, it is it is a very powerful thing, and that's why we have instruction on what it's for. And so, Ted, I appreciate uh, your call. I hope that helps Amen. give you some uh, clarity on that, too, just because I think we can go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out this and that, but there's never a place in the Bible where somehow one issue of sexual immorality is removed from the entire you know, canon of what that is. And that includes with, with Jesus. It includes what's taught about sexual immorality in Revelation. It's everywhere, right? And that and that should humble all of us because we all struggle with something in that area. And Jesus would make it complicated, right? He would say, hey, whoever looks at a woman lustfully uh, in his heart has committed adultery, right? That's, that's, how, that's how far Jesus will take that, right? That's, and you might say, well, how can I live up to that? And the answer is you can't. That's why you need a Savior, right? How do I live up to that standard? You can't. That's why you need a Savior. Uh, That's why Jesus had to die for you. That's why we look to him for our salvation, because we can't save ourselves, because I can't even control uh, my heart. Jimmy Carter, you know, he he hasn't passed away yet, I think, but he is, uh, what, in hospice care? You know, he famously was quoted for, uh, I've lusted in my heart. Uh, I've committed adultery in my heart. This is what he meant. And, uh, you know, that there's an, you know, part of that is it's an equalizer in the sexualized, you know, culture that we have. It should hopefully humble us that everybody is struggling in a certain way. But at the same time, everybody is called to repent. And we are given a, a pathway to go in for that repentance in Scripture. And that's how we should follow if we're trusting Jesus. So, Appreciate that question. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Richard in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Yes. Hello, DC. Richard from Los Angeles. Hi, Richard. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, yeah. Well, it's rela- pretty much it's a brief question, two part. The, fir- the first part is it's about Christian canceling. Like Christians canceling uh, each other? 
no Christian canceling the term that you're a you're a Bible believing Christian, but you have a psychology degree. That's the term Christian canceling. Though oh, counseling. That, uh, I'm sorry. Counseling. Before counseling. Yeah, Christian yeah. canceling. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So you have uh, with the new life before the, this radio show. Right? That, that, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. So the my question was just to confirm. I was talking about this with my pastor. I was bringing it up when doing the pastoral counseling is that the basics of the difference between biblical counseling is the idea is that that the Bible is sufficient through sanctification and right and understanding in the church, right? You just apply the Bible and it'll meet every spiritual, mental, and emotional need. That modern psychology is uh, vain philosophies, and then the and then the idea from Christian counseling, right, is that from my understanding is that the Bible is sufficient, but God studies the mind, and there's nothing wrong with looking at the mind and behavioral patterns, writing it down like a social scientist, and that the Bible is still the foundation, but it's just a modern tool that they're not saying that the Bible isn't sufficient, it's just a tool. So you're asking... So that's kind of what I want to confirm, that Christian Kansan doesn't think the Bible is not sufficient for healing your spiritual, mental, emotional needs. They're just using modern tools in combination that there's nothing wrong with just using a modern tool, which my pastor agrees with my understanding of that, that there's nothing wrong that when people say biblical canceling is all you need and you shouldn't have a psychology degree that is just a vain philosophy rather than it's just a tool. Is that kind of understanding that it's just a tool? You know, I would, I would agree. I think probably with what you're doing where Christian counseling is done, if it's Christian it's done yeah. through a biblical lens, meaning that okay. I see you as a, a person made in the image of God. If I'm counseling somebody and they come in and they want to talk about something they've been going through or something they're struggling with, I, you know, biblical counseling is you see them as a as they're made in the image of God, everything that that means. You see them as a person who Jesus uh, died for and that Jesus is sufficient. And, you know, you lead people to – part of it is you lead people to Christ. You know, for example uh, – you can go to a 12-step group, and the final step is you need to have a higher power. Well, it doesn't make a lot of sense if there's not a real higher power, because then you're just making it yourself. You know, if you're doing this in a Christian way, you got to lead people to Christ. It doesn't mean that the other 12 steps are, or 11 steps are bad, um, but it's got to point to Christ. And I would say with the, the Christian counseling, there's probably people out there who would equate the two. Uh, and then there are people out there who think you shouldn't use any modern tools. What I would say is you just have to make any modern tools, uh, you know, to be subservient to what the scriptures say. So if, if a modern tool of psychology says, for example, that human beings are um, not made to be monogamous in marriage and you're trying to counsel people through a, an affair, uh, that would be a modern tool to reject um, because the truth is that adultery is wrong and it harms and, but the reason we believe that that's true ultimately is because uh, the scriptures teach that, that that's what uh, God teaches. Does that make sense? Unless you're confirming what I'm saying is that it's similar to biblical canceling and that, that in a sense it kind of seems like that's being a little bit legalistic, saying that you can't use just because it's a modern tool. Well, yeah, well, I think uh, wrong with a modern tool. Here's another and example. Kinda, I would, yeah. Richard kind of say you can't be a Christian and, and a psychologist. Yeah, no, I would disagree with that. I know plenty of very good Christian psychologists. 
who do a good job at making sure that they do their work through the lens of Scripture. I mean, another example is, is you know, if you have, if you have cancer, um, I should definitely pray for you, but you should also go see a surgeon or an oncologist, right? There's, there's nothing in the Bible about how to remove a tumor uh, surgically, but I don't think it's a bad thing to go to modern medicine to do that. However, I also think you should pray. And I also think, you know, maybe that God would, you know, remove that tumor. There are people out there who have these miraculous recoveries, and the doctor comes out and says, well, we were going to do surgery, but the tumor's gone. Okay, I can believe in that, um, but I'm not against—I wouldn't say it's uh, wrong to um, go to modern medicine for your problems. Yeah, that's what I was basically thinking, is that it's— yeah, that there's, it's very similar to biblical canceling with a little bit extra tools and research. Yeah, I think that, that it's, a, it's okay. Yeah, my opinion, Richard, I appreciate your question, Richard, and I'll just finish kind of with this. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. My, my opinion is it's okay to use the tools that God gave us brains and intelligence to figure out about his creation and about who we are as people. You just have to be careful that in in you know, any pursuit, there are things that are incorrect, and sometimes they're incorrect because they're based in a spiritual falsehood or something. You know, if you go into a psychologist's office or a psychiatrist's office and they're well studied, they've got walls of books on each side of the room, and some of the books on the right side of the room completely disagree with the books on the left side of the room, right? And that person's job is to try to figure out, you know, what is going to be effective. Um, the you know, thing is with biblical counseling is that the Bible does, really does address everything. It's okay to use other tools to lead people through that. Um, and you lead people to Christ. I mean, ultimately, that is where the peace is, the peace that uh, transcends understanding, right, is the peace you have with Christ. And from a Christian standpoint, in Christian counseling, you got to go that way. It doesn't do a lot of good for a person spiritually to lead them away from Christ with some, you know, Freudian tool or something that uh, just leads them into sin uh, or something destructive. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. Open line Friday, 888-528-2557. Gonzalo, is that right in San Diego? Gonzalo? Yes, sir. Hi, Gonzalo. How are you? Good. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. Well, I I had one question. you know, my my family, we, we all grew up in the church, uh, but we do have uh, in, 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 in our family, you know, cousins and extended family that are uh, gay and lesbian. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the question, like, you know, so, some of my family would say, hey, let's just exclude them or let's not uh, include them in family events or, or family, you know, gatherings. But I kind of feel like if we exclude them, it's like not really showing them love. So how, how can we, you know, as Christians not, you know, like I, I guess I just need to get your advice on how to handle, you know, the situations like that. Yeah. Well, there's always nuance in each situation, right, and, and what you're trying to, to do. Um, you know, there's an interesting idea that, you know, when, when Jesus talks about church discipline— right, in Matthew 18, uh, and you go through the—does you, your family member, do they say they're Christians, or do they say they're not Christians? 
No, they, they, you know, uh, they, they believe in God, you know, they, like their parents, uh, were raised Catholic. So they, they don't, you know, they, they say they're Catholic, but you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, how did Jesus treat the pagans or the tax collectors? You know, that's that I would kind of start there, right? Is that Jesus would not have joined them in their pagan activities, whatever they are. You know, in the New Testament, there's a lot about tax collectors because they were robbers, really. They were working for the, the government, and they were ripping you off. I mean, the government was ripping you off, and then the tax collector would rip you off on top of that. And they were kind of the lowest in society. Uh, it's interesting okay. to me that even in the in the dealing with sin in the church passage in Matthew 18, after you've gone through a process of confronting people. And we're talking about Christians here, right? We're not talking about people who don't say they're a Christian. It's a whole different thing. But even here, if they refuse to listen, you tell it to the church, and even if they uh, and even if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Well, you got to ask the question, how did Jesus treat a pagan or a tax collector? Um, you know, I would say from a church standpoint, well, they're not a church member. They don't get to be in leadership. But you would like to have an opportunity for them to be a part of your life. You know, you you hope that your your pagans, your people who don't know Jesus, come to your church. I hope that everybody listening has some kind of relationship with somebody who's not a Christian. And how do you treat that person? Well, you should treat them with love. Uh, that doesn't mean that you accept a any kind of lifestyle that is harmful or sinful. It certainly doesn't yeah. mean that you join them in all of that, or that you do something that that overtly says. Um, what you're doing is not wrong, right? But your relationship, I think, particularly when it's family, you know, it matters. And you love that person. You make it really clear. Most people actually are pretty understanding when you just make it very simple. You know what? I'm a Christian, and I believe that uh, the lifestyle that you're choosing or that you're living in or that you feel like you have to have uh, is not is not right, and I really wish you would, uh, you know, come to Jesus with that. And they might say, well, I completely disagree with you. Okay, um, but I think you still love him. You don't have to compromise your beliefs. Jesus got accused of doing wrong by hanging out with the sinners uh, so much, and he, he was called a friend of sinners, but he was never called a sinner himself except for those religious leaders who felt that he shouldn't be doing that. Um, yes. You know, okay. so what I would say is you want to love the people in your life. You want to, you're going to have a harder time when it comes to, you know, do I, do I show up for uh, a same-sex wedding ceremony? Uh, yeah. You know, what am I doing that would suggest that I am rejecting my own faith in support of you? But your, your goal with every person you know is to love them in such a way that they would come to know Jesus. And there are lots of people in that lifestyle and in all kinds of lifestyles who have come to know Jesus and have been changed by God. Uh, not always changed because, you know, their their same-sex attraction doesn't necessarily go away. Um, but there are people who really work hard to repent. Um, and being there for people helps. So, okay. you know, my, my thought is we, we don't exclude people. There, there are reasons to exclude people from our life, right, if they're abusive if, you know, maybe I don't want somebody in my house if uh, they're doing drugs, right? Or if they're committing sins under my roof or I, it's my home, I don't have to accept that, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow that. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't go to coffee with you. That doesn't mean I can't be your friend. 
That doesn't mean I'm not available yeah. to you if you need to talk. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so I would say you you draw some lines where it's your household and you protect yourself and you protect family members from the consequences of of sin or the situation where you're approving a behavior that you shouldn't approve. But other than that, you love them and you be their friend like you would anybody else. All right. I hope that's helpful. Well, it, I know it's... Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is because I, I, I did so... I always felt that I'm like, what, how, what, how can we show them love if we exclude them from our lives or from, you know, events? Well, and you're yeah, showing, you know, they, yeah. We, I mean, you want to show love by the truth, right? So, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. The, the, the church analogy is, you know, sometimes churches will just make anybody a member, um, but you get in a lot of trouble if that person isn't really following Jesus and suddenly you've given them power in your church, right? Um, yeah. But... It's loving to hold fast to that line, um, but it's also loving to have the ability to maintain a relationship. You know, it's loving to say no to certain things, and to be truthful is always loving. But you can do that and at the same time still be a person who is trustworthy. Uh, in fact, if you're just honest about how you think, you're probably going to be, come across as more trustworthy. They may not want to be your friend at that point, but they also might see you as somebody who at least is authentic with them. And I think that matters a lot. Okay. All right. Hope that's helpful. I know that's a hard subject, and uh, thanks for calling Southern California Live. And there's, there is a lot of nuance with that subject, and I know uh, it's, uh, it's difficult. But I think in a simple way, uh, you don't sacrifice what is true. You remember that what is true is always the loving thing. Um, but there are ways, and Jesus showed us, to be loving, particularly on moral issues with truth, but still have a relationship. Um, in an appropriate way. All right, that's Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you would like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When we come back, Absurdity of the Week. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Friday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. That was Jason Johnson of MSNBC trying to figure out what on earth is going on with the prosecution of Donald Trump in New York, which leads us to the absurdity of the week. The absurdity of the week is the whole thing, all sides of it. The district attorney, Alvin Bragg, President uh, Trump, and the things that he has to say and the stuff that he's tweeting out in pretty much everybody's conversation about this that took over most of the week and all the people camping out to see if he's going to get arrested, all the statements about this and that and the crazy stuff going on. In the meantime, we've got Russia and China getting together and talking about how a new world order is happening for the first time in 100 years. What happened 100 years ago this year, 2023? 1933. Anything significant? Anybody remember uh, 1933? Oh, that's when Hitler came to power. It's very, very an interesting date there that uh, those two guys picked. Um, there are so many more important things, and I don't. I think that the New York thing is not not a case ultimately uh, with him. And the whole idea that that there is so much attention to this, to me, I just find it absurd. I think there are there are other things. If if the President Trump did something wrong then you need to do what you need to do if he didn't knock it off because you're hurting the country. It is absurd. And they've been saying this for so long. It's one of these things that I guess I'll just uh, believe it when I see it, right? For, what, for seven years, six years, 
Uh, the walls are closing in on President Trump for all these years. All right, there you go. That's seven years of the walls are closing in, and I'm just tired of it. Uh, you know, the the we have got to get on the page of the serious things. Let these things play out if there's something real. But if there's not, then it's got to stop. And, you know, maybe you have to talk about it because one side is going to keep doing it and the other side uh, won't. But uh, I don't know how you feel about all of it. But I've decided this whole thing, particularly the New York one, it's the absurdity of the week. All right, there you go. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Admittedly, it's hard to pick the absurdity of the week because there are so many absurdities. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's open line Friday, and that means that we will talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Gloria in Mission Hills, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Hi, Gloria. Thank you for taking my call. I yeah. really like your show. Thank you. Um, I didn't get to hear the whole conversation about this uh, biblical counseling, but... Just in case it wasn't brought up, I'd like to weigh in. Okay. Um, I think the only true biblical counseling is what's called Nesthetic Counseling. I think it's N-E-U-T-H-E-T-I-C. And what is that? Uh, it goes strictly from the Bible. You know, it's not a psychobabble disguised under the guise of Christianity. You're not mm-hmm. hearing, if so-and-so, if such-and-such happened to you when you were a child, and you have the right to be bitter and anger and blah, blah, blah. It's truly okay. How how are you responding? Are you, are did you are you uh, confessing your own sin, your own anger, your own harboring bitterness, and getting your heart right? And it's just such a vast difference, and it can really hurt people if it's not truly biblical counseling. Yeah, he asked, uh, you know, kind of what's the difference? Do you think in that uh, that meth- method that mm-hmm. any any tools that have been developed by uh, by human beings are are useful? I'm kind of like the tool that he mentioned I have question about. Um, it, like if it isn't a principle from the Bible, then I think it's not truly Christian. And of course, the first thing you want to make sure is if that person is saved. Uh-huh. So there's a lot more than than what meets the you know first impression. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, one thing you said that definitely happens is sometimes uh, we have Christian counseling, and there's sort of the idea that it's Christian, but it's really not. It's yes. just It's just regular counseling. Yeah. Right? But I, I think in the course of probably even the type of counseling you're talking about, there's all kinds of tools that are used, which maybe you're not thinking are, are something designed, you know, uh, from experience of people in counseling people. Um, but that you do everything from a biblical lens and you can reject notions that uh, are opposed to the Bible, even if some book tells you that they're good. Yes. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, Uh, you filter all things through the lens of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. All right, Gloria, thank you so much for your call. Appreciate that. Uh, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, there's some tools out there, uh, there's some that are getting heavily criticized today, and maybe rightly so. Um, but uh, there's some that I've used that, you know, they, they tend to work. There's something that the Gallup organization puts out. It's called Strength Finders. You ever use that? And uh, it's not put out by a Christian company, but the idea is that you take a test and you're trying to figure out what your strengths are. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily a counseling tool. It's something to 
I mean, I guess it is, but it's something that is meant to help you figure out where you should focus your time if you're trying to figure out what to do in life. And a lot of churches use that. I've used it before. I found it to be very helpful. Um, and I can point out, you know, whether it's right or wrong, biblically, you can look at it. But Strength Finder is about your strength. So it tries to figure out what is it that you're very good at? You know, where does it seem like your desires and your the way you are made? What are you gifted at? And the idea is don't spend too much time trying to get better at things you're terrible at. Instead, try to spend your time doing things that you're made to do. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you can be, uh, you know, a scale of one to 10, let's say you're a singer and, uh, you want to, you want to sing and a scale of one to 10, you're a, you're a four. That's not a very good singer. Uh, you can work really hard. You can take voice lessons and you can work hard and maybe you'll become a five or a six, but you're still not a very good singer. Maybe you'll do better at karaoke night or something. You know, but probably you shouldn't be doing the solos in church. Just saying. On the other hand, if you're a seven on a scale of uh, one to ten of, as a singer, and you go take voice lessons and you work at it, and you become a nine, then it's totally worth your time, and you should be doing the solos and that kind of thing. It's the same thing with anything in your life. It's you know, what are the things that you're actually good at? Figure out where you're a seven and try to become a nine, and then figure out where you're a two and don't worry about it. Somebody else can do that. You know, that's a that's an important thing. In fact, sometimes it's better to understand what you're terrible at than it is to understand what you're good at, because then you can stop doing what you're terrible at. That was the advantage of uh, being at the same church for 18 years. Eventually, people stopped asking me to do stuff that they knew I was terrible at, because <laughs> I'd always say, yes, that was my problem. Was, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and I don't have time to do it, and then if I did it, I'd be a terrible, do a terrible job. Eventually, people get to know you well enough to know that they should not ask you to uh, organize this event because you will mess it up. And that is good for you because you don't have time to do it anyway. And it's good for the church because uh, the church has somebody else there who would be great at it who ought to be doing it anyway, you see. And there's some tools, I think, that help out with that. Lots of churches have spiritual gift tests, right? You, you go through and you, you know, are they, you, are they biblical truth? No. Uh, they can be wrong. Uh, you have to factor that in, but they can at least start a, a conversation, what do you think about that? Have you ever done those? Anyway, 888-528-2557. Uh, David in Culver City, welcome to Southern California. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, number one, hopefully God will have Princeton prevail over Creighton today. Um, <laughs> you never know. Uh, Gazunga won yesterday, and uh, nobody, even knows what, know. nobody even knows what state that school's in. Well, Farley Dickinson might win, too. You never know. You never know. I hope Anyhow, so. Anyhow, that's not what the main reason I called. The main reason I called is I think you have to be you, – you raised a good analogy when if you need heart surgery, you don't go to your pastor. You know, I think if you have certain psychological problems, it depends on the Christian counselor. Look at the example of John MacArthur's church where Eileen Gray went there for an abusive husband. And she was counseled to go back to her husband, who later wound up going to jail for child abuse. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know the so, details. I'm going to be careful about that because I just don't know the details about those specifics. But certainly that kind of thing happens. You can get terrible counseling uh, from church. You don't, you don't want to know. No, I think you don't want to know those details. No, I, I don't want to talk about know. them on the radio if I don't know what they are about. Because, you know, when callers call and they talk about specific situations, David, I just, if I don't know it, then I can't really comment on it. How do I know that that's right? It's well-documented. Look it up. And then also there's Robbie Zacharias. There's Mark Driscoll. I mean, I think there are examples 
of Christian counselors that uh, countenance abusive males under the biblical patriarchy. But they, so but they wouldn't be. be. Do you careful. think? Do you think? But they're doing that. I wouldn't say that. That if that's what they were doing, I wouldn't say that they were actually following the scriptures at all. Well, I agree with you. That's the point. Yeah, so I would, I would say it's not biblical have... counseling at that point. Well, maybe you should have a, 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 uh, some guidelines on what is what constitutes spiritual abuse when yeah. it's happening. Yeah. yeah, well, that definitely so, is you know, that definitely is true. I mean, because you count, you're, you're talking about counselors that talk about adultery is okay, which I don't think that many counselors would say that. But, you know, I think that's an important issue for the church. I really do. Yeah. I think there, there are well-documented cases of spiritual abuse. That is true. That, that is definitely, so that is true. Uh, you know, but uh, I appreciate your call, David. I got to go to a break. Uh, you know, David's right that there are a lot of cases about that, but there's a cases of all kinds of abuse in counseling, right? There's, that's, that kind of goes everywhere. There's a lot of cases of really good care in scripture, far more. You don't hear about them, right? You don't hear about the great cases of what's happening because it's not, doesn't make the newspaper and it's nobody's business, Right? You hear about the errors that are made. You hear about the controversies. You hear about it when the counselor who can be a pastor or who can be somebody of, you know, who you should be able to trust does something wicked in their, their process with you. Uh, David's right that you need to have uh, guidelines with that. But, uh, you know, it's something that you got to be careful about that just because somebody screws it up for everybody uh, that it shouldn't screw it up for everybody that there are millions and millions of cases of church counseling that's excellent, that has really helped people. It just doesn't make the newspaper. The handful of them that we, we get that are serious, that are bad things that should have been prevented and should in no way be justified, they make the paper, right? All the, all the negative stuff is going to make the paper, but it doesn't mean it's the majority of what goes on. i got to take a break. I'm very late. 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, This is the Friday edition of Southern California Live, Open Line Friday. We'll take your call on anything you'd like to talk about, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. At the moment Biden stepped foot into Canada, Democrats were like, okay, who's really running in 2024? Quick, hurry up, who is? Everybody's coming back, never mind. That was Jimmy Fallon uh, making a joke about Biden going to Canada and Democrats now secretly saying, now who's really going to run? Who's really going to run? See, just goes to my point that uh, President Biden is not running for re-election. He's going to push this out as long, because as soon as he says, oh, I'm not running, then he's lame duck and he's not going to be able to do anything. I get it. He's going to have to say eventually, but that that's my theory. That's what I think, and I think Jimmy Fallon is on to him also, and I think that's Biden's plan. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Well, that's probably what you got to do if you're going to be a one-termer on purpose. All right, 888-528-2557, open line Friday. Let's go to Lynette in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, did you say Lynette? I sure did. How you doing, Lynette? Uh- Fine, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say to just uh, give a vote of approval to the caller that last called that that did talk about um, Christian counseling that has aired and gone wrong, and then you were wonderfully validating, and you said yourself that, well, then that's not really Christian counseling. However, the caller right before him is an example of just what he was saying, because she said it was a woman, and she said, 
um, you know, it, it's not biblical counseling unless the counselor is saying, um, you know, where is your heart and is your heart right with God and making sure that you're saved. And I thought, just like the screener said, that's not what you want to hear if you are being abused. And it was just a perfect example of what the next caller was talking about, because there is a problem in the church. I'm 64 years old, and there has been evil in my home, and I deal with it all the time. It's a relative. I don't live with her. And, um, I mean, it's taken me years to kind of really recognize you know, really see what is going on. It's narcissistic personality disorder. And um, and yet the 99 out of 100 people that I may, you know, ask for prayer from really minimize it. And in fact, the one person that was alarmed, which is the proper response, was an assistant to the head pastor. So pastors do get this, but by and large, the church just has this approach that isn't biblical, like you said. It's not the Jesus that I read of in the Bible who completely understands me and died crucified because of evil. Is there anything more evil than how he died? But there are people that just, it's its weird. I'm thinking, this is the church. This is why we believe in Christ, not because people are good, but because there is evil in this world. Do you feel like people, so when you, when you tell that. them about that, they don't know what it is and just don't know how to respond? They minimize. It's, uh, it's the weirdest. Difficulty. I don't get it. You know, they uh, minimize yeah, and I, it's and and almost patronize as if they kind of already understand. And then I'll figure out later. I think they're projecting onto me what their experiences with people are. And most people are not outright evil, but there is evil. Yeah, there and, is evil. And so I, I just, I pray, Pastor um, Burrow, that you you would have like a whole hour on this or two hours on this, because it is genuinely a problem. And also there is genuinely narcissistic abuse, which is, you know, some Christians have written about this. D.C. Robertson wrote an amazing book on it called The First, um, the, the Last Will Be First Biblical Perspectives on Narcissism, which is just so, such an amazing book. And there are other pastors that online that, that have preached on this. But when the lead pastor in your church doesn't happen to talk about this, then I think that's why when somebody does have a genuine problem, it's not that the lead pastor wouldn't understand, but it's why if people don't understand that you happen to talk to the lower ranks, they feel okay about it. Yeah, well, I think there's no one. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. I appreciate your call. It is a good subject, obviously, uh, to really talk about how counseling should work. In fact, it's uh, I appreciate your call in that. Uh, thank you for thank calling. Thank you. You know, and a lot of times I think when it comes to the different issues that people have, is that if if you haven't experienced that yourself, it's sort of hard to empathize or to relate. And we probably. Uh, I think maybe all of us minimize things without even realizing it sometimes, right, on our side of it. Um, when it comes to narcissism, that is ultimately the, the you know, at the root of a lot is, you know, when we sin and when we sin against other people's because we're putting ourselves first, 
right? And we, we put that, uh, that word out there a lot. Do you feel like um, people just don't understand uh, others that we're unable to to empathize or or maybe the other side of it is sometimes we get so much into reading about the psychology that we analyze everybody to death and uh, you we dehumanize people on the other side i think it can go both ways right i think on the one side we dehumanize people when we minimize real struggles that they have but we can also just analyze people to death into some kind of uh, scientific experiment, and then uh, we've taken away uh, the humanity that they have that way. That's why we, we have to be really careful. And whenever we use biblical, like here we're talking about the idea of biblical counseling or Christian counseling, you know, we have to be careful when we attach that word as an adjective, biblical or Christian. Um, sometimes it's very clear what that is, but sometimes there are there's a matter of opinion, you know, is, you know, we can, we have Christian music, Christian schools, uh, Christian worldview. What's a Christian worldview? What's a biblical worldview? Uh, do you have a way to define that? And, you know, people disagree on what that is. I don't think there's a whole lot of room really uh, to disagree on a big picture, but there's probably a lot of room to disagree on minor things that we go through if that makes sense. Um, but either way, you you do have the scriptures to take a look at uh, life through. And I think that is something that is should be applied to everything that we do, that whatever it is that you're doing, you, you look at this world through the lens of the scriptures. But in order to do that, you got to know the scriptures. And the scriptures are knowable, but it's a big book, your Bible. And it kind of comes back to why we have to know it. I was having this conversation with my dad uh, yesterday, just about the, the need for people to know their Bible. And we say that, but do we really do it, right? The statistics, my dad's been a pastor for a hundred years, so he, he gets this and uh, almost, <laughs> not quite really dad. Um, but it's we say we read our Bible sometime, but do we really? And do we read it for the context of understanding the whole counsel of God and understanding who we really are in the Lord? Or do we just read it for our own comfort, for a subject matter that we're going through, and maybe we find it helpful? The problem is is we can go off on the wrong path um, if we do not take in what's called the whole counsel of God, that the Bible as a whole theologically will ultimately present a system that works, a system that works for answering the questions of who we are, what is sin, what are what is our relationship to God, what is our relationship to nature, why are we here, is there a soul, what does the soul, what where does the soul reside, you know, those things, uh, you know, and what we're gifted at, how do we deal with harm and hurt and all those things. The Bible as a whole deals with that. I'll give you, you know, maybe a, a different example. I've done this, and we're almost out of time here, but uh, we've done a series before where we, we call it the Bible in 90 days. I've talked about it, but we you read the whole Bible in 90 days. You just you read it right through. It's about an hour a day. You can read the whole Bible in 90 days. You want to have the Bible read before summertime? Start today, read it for an hour, and read it for an hour every day. You'll be done by summertime. Um, great way to use springtime. Well, this one couple that was having marital problems, they were just reading through the Bible and it saved their marriage. And they laugh about it because their story is that they realized it somewhere in Isaiah. And they said, we hardly understood what we were even reading. 
But they said this. They said, what saved our marriage was two things. Number one, we drew closer to God because we are in his word, even when we didn't understand all of it. Secondly, we drew closer to each other because not only were we in God's word, but we were in God's word together. And our conversations became about what we were reading that day. And it brought us closer together. It changed our life. It put us on the same path. The scriptures, my friends, even if it's passages that don't seem like they're relevant to what you're going through, they are. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of your Creator. It's the Word of the one who loves you and who accepts you through Christ by faith. Trust in Him for that. We're done for today, folks. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. You can get the podcast on their website or Spotify, Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here. I will be back on Monday from 3 to 5. God bless. Have a great weekend. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.